0: Hello, everyone. My name is Jason Ramirez, and welcome back to the Hitless Podcast, Season 5, Episode 1. A podcast where we cross our films from our watch list and discuss them. I'm very happy to have Sophia here for our first episode again. I really like talking to Sophia. She has a great perspective on films, and she's just a fun person to talk to in general. Welcome, Sophia. Thank you so much for being back here again.
1: Hi. <laughs> Thanks for inviting me back.
0: This season, we're doing things a little more differently. First of all, we're on video now. I'm planning on doing this, um, uploading to both Spotify and YouTube because I heard it's a trend that people want to see. I've heard it from more than one person that they would rather watch the podcast than listen to it. So I'm going to try it out this season, see if it's something to explore in the future. We're also going to be doing one movie each episode. So today we're going to start um, by discussing Prey, the 2022 film that, uh, that. is another entry into the Predator franchise. But before we discuss that, I want to ask Sophia two questions. So Sophia, have your viewing habits changed much since we last were on here discussing the Before trilogy? Has it changed much? It's been a few months.
1: Yeah, it's been a while. When was the last time? When was that? When, when did that we was January. record that? We
0: recorded in January. January. And oh now God, it's September. That was a
1: while. Um, I think I've been watching a little less... Of movies recently I've been watching a lot of shows actually nowadays
0: <laughs> so more shows fan movies
1: yeah I think so okay
0: awesome well, I saw a couple of your videos as well they're always great to watch the the other 365 days sequel that they made which I'm still it makes me it fills me with so much more confidence that a movie like that could not only get made but get a sequel and it's bad (laughs) both times right so i'm just thinking like man that could get if that could get made and get a sequel you know what i I, maybe i'm not that bad of a filmmaker you know maybe i'm not the worst script writer you know i'm just not published yet i just haven't released it yet you know so
1: (laughs) not just one sequel they had two sequels
0: (laughs) yeah two
1: yeah i made a video on the third movie too
0: (laughs) Oh man. Okay. I I need to watch that one. Uh, I'm not updated on my videos from Sophia. So I need to do more research. My (laughs) second question for you is what is your toxic trait? I'm going to give you an example of my toxic trait. My toxic trait is I genuinely believe that when I meet Selena Gomez, she's going to fall in love with me and we're going to get married in two weeks. That's my toxic trait. So what's that's yours? some
1: confidence
0: <laughs> no it, it's it's toxic for a reason <laughs>
1: <laughs> hmm. I don't know I guess I have a really bad habit of buying new clothes for a specific event so in my closet I have so many dresses that I've worn only once and it was only for a specific event and I'm like I'm never gonna wear this again <laughs>
0: Oh, I thought you were going to say you, you buy dresses for an event that you haven't gone to yet, that you haven't even been invited to yet. That would have been funnier. <laughs> do you do that?
1: No, I don't do that because I okay. don't like making a fool of myself. So if I'm not invited, <laughs> I'm not putting myself out there like that.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, that's what I'm going to wear when I get invited to the Grammys and that's for the Oscars, you know, the next week, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's another toxic trait. But yeah, that's a that's a lot of clothes then. Oh no. Yeah. It was worse it was
1: <laughs> it was worse in college, but I don't go out as much anymore, so the trait is not as a uh, a nowadays.
0: Okay. Okay. It's getting better. Yeah. Right, so so the film we've been discussing today is Prey.
1: Prey is a 2022 American science fiction action horror film based on the Predator franchise. It is the fifth installment and is a prequel to the first four films, being set in the northern Great Plains in North America in 1719. The story revolves around Naru, a skilled Comanche warrior who is striving to prove herself as a hunter. She finds herself having to protect her people from a vicious humanoid alien that hunts humans for sport, as well as from French fur traders who are destroying the buffalo they rely on for survival. The film is directed by Dan Trachtenberg and written by Patrick Eisen. It stars Amber Midthunder, Dakota Beavers, Michelle Thrush, Stormy Kip, Julian Black Antelope, and Bennett Taylor.
0: So this film was on my list and I had it on my list because I just heard so many good things about it. And also I saw both Predator films in full. Predator 1 and Predator 2 last year. I got really sick last year. I don't think it was COVID, but I was bedridden. And I really liked the first one. And I thought the second one was going to suck. I even thought back then when I saw a commercial for the second one, like in one of those movie channels, I was like, that movie's going to suck. He He's in the city. But when I saw it, I finally realized what makes a really good Predator film. Not just a good one, but also what makes it fun. And I didn't see any sequels beyond that one. Because I don't think they understood what made a good Predator film. Anyway, so when I saw that last year, I had a review on Letterboxd. I left a review on Letterboxd uh, for for Predator 2. Basically that the Predator is an invasive alien species. And the best way to make these movies is to set it in another time period. And that was also the same week I learned that they were going to release like a prequel to the first predator where it's going to be predator versus comanche warriors i thought that was going to be awesome so that was on my list and i asked sophia if she was interested sophia can you tell me a little bit what your opinion on the predator films are and kind of what you told me when i asked you to watch this movie
1: okay when you first messaged me asking if i want to see prey i was like oh i have never watched the predator movie <laughs> um i don't know the predator movies have always just been a franchise that like i knew was popular but like i just never had an interest and i knew that they were popular for a reason um i, o- I always kind of mixed it up with aliens which yeah. is probably which makes sense because you know aliens versus predator <laughs> movie um both movies i never seen. uh i don't know they were like the kind of action movies that just like didn't appeal to me when I was younger and I guess like growing up I didn't know anyone else who had watched it or was like obsessed with it so it never like (laughs) you know it never like added to the interest but when Prey first came out I heard that it was very good a lot of people were praising it I also heard like like some backlash i guess like people like hating on like a female driven led movie i don't know. Yeah, yeah stuff like that but yeah i mean i wasn't like against watching it i was kind of interested so i was like why not let's watch it
0: yeah so our the original plan i had presented to Sophia was to watch both of them and react to them on my youtube channel unfortunately i went for a pretty big move last month and i had no time to do it whatsoever and so i also wanted to get this season out by late fall so it just didn't work out but would you be open to doing that with me in the future now that you kind of know a little bit about prey I, I would you be open to watch predator 1 and predator 2
1: yeah sure i mean that was the original plan so
0: <laughs> <laughs> awesome awesome and i can go more into detail about like what i think makes a good predator film but after we talk about what we thought about the movie.
1: What did you think about the movie?
0: I loved it. I I think Dan Trachtenberg has the same theory as I do into what makes a really good Predator film and he executed it very well. I just had a great time watching it. it it's like the movie that sh- I should have watched in theaters because I feel like if I watched it with an audience, I would we would have been cheering throughout the whole thing like whenever like the predator got like knocked out or whatever. There are plenty of surprise base in this movie that definitely would have benefited from an audience. How about you?
1: I also really liked it. I mean, going in, I had basically no expectations. And at first I was like, okay, so it has like the base plot of like a girl wanting to like prove herself like, oh, she can also hunt and all that. And I was like, okay but then as it like was moving forward i was like oh this girl is like really smart and like the fights with the predator or like her her just like outsmarting the predator i was like damn this is going to this is turning out to be a really interesting film like i was really like engaged and i was watching it when i was like eating <laughs> <laughs> so, I, like, there, there were times where, like, I had to pause to, like, wash my dishes and come back. But even, even like, during that pause and, like, having to restart the movie, I was like, okay, I, like, I'm still, like, back into the movie. Like, it didn't feel, like, interrupted. I was still very engaged.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. There were a few times I had to, like, pause and, like, go back. Like, whoa, did that just happen? And mm-hmm. <laughs> the way he said, like, he had to go wash dishes reminded me, like, our first session together. I think it was. I think it was during, boogie nights or memories of murder. I had to like stop and go do dishes and then come right back. So he just reminded me of myself right at that moment. But <laughs> we're gonna get into spoiler territory here. But what was your favorite moment in the film? Like, what made you like cheer?
1: I was. I was writing on my phone all the notes I had <laughs> during the movie. Hmm. I think my favorite part of the movie was when that like French translator guy. After she gave him the flowers and his blood, like, started getting cold and then the predator, like, didn't see him, I was like, oh, that is smart. Yeah, And it was kind of like, like an aha moment for both, like, Naruto and, like, the audience. So I was like, oh, okay.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a very similar moment in the first Predator film when Arnold Schwarzenegger's character realizes, oh... Oh, he can't see me. But I won't reveal what he does so that the predator can't see him. Um, mm. It doesn't involve the flower at all. But yeah, that's that's also like around the scene. That's my favorite moment as well. Is when the predator has like the the jump on Naru, and is about to kill her, and then out of nowhere, Tabi just comes in with a horse and hits him across the head, and like so, like the the aim of like the beam doesn't hit Naru. And I was mm-hmm. like, yo, he just came up out of nowhere. He he had the warping on, like he was ready to fight. Like he was ready yeah. for that moment. And I was, to I was like cheering alongside them, you know, like they were they were about to kill him. They were ready to like get the jump on him, but then the predator is such a sore loser. He went invisible mm-hmm. again. I was like, Oh He 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 could he they they could have had him. They could have had him. Yeah but it takes more than that to kill the Predator.
1: Yeah. I think my second favorite, like, it's a, a very close second, was when um, Naru gave the French Trapper the gun, like, and she was like, oh, but he doesn't Ooh. find me a threat, and but he, yeah. you're the threat now, and I was like, ah, ah, she's so smart,
0: Yeah, that was she, so badass, she's so, like, she's just, I'll, I'll say this, I, I'm very confident in this, she is... Not only the most underdog character in the Predator films, but the smartest out of all of them, because she picked it up. She picked up on it very quickly. What the Predator can and cannot do, and how to get to jump on him. And yeah, she she's an amazing character. She was awesome. And also the thing is, like, she was on difficulty mode because she didn't have a gun for uh, most of the film. And even the guns mm-hmm. that the guns she did have, it took a while to, like, load. The Predator had, like, much more advantage on, on them than they did on him. So, it was pretty cool. So, I want to yeah, talk there was a little like, bit more. Oh. oh Go ahead. Go <laughs> I was
1: going to say, there was, like, a scene during, like, the, um, the fur trap for people and the predator where they were like shooting at him and then like they paused and they all had to like refill their guns (laughs) i was like that's so funny because that's so true like you don't Mm. see that in like uh action movies like them reloading guns like that's like a real thing
0: (laughs) yeah and in the most modern ones they do it very quickly or it's unlimited Mm. i know in john wick there is have you seen the john wick movies i actually have not oh my gosh Would you be? uh, This is just like suggestion for you to watch it for your channel. Just a suggestion. (laughs) In the first film, he has a gun like a handgun. He needs to reload, so he like whips out the other ammo like cartridge, and it hits someone in the head, and it distracts them. He reloads again and then shoots them. So that's the only bit I've seen of people reloading creatively. But it always makes me wonder, like, how did war really look like? Back mm-hmm. in the 1700s, back in colonial America, before even before America even existed. I think it's, yeah, before the Revolutionary War. That must have been very stressful. Like, <laughs> you had to, like, hold your aim true. And sometimes they wouldn't even, like, kill the guy. It would just leave him in pain. And you'd mm-hmm. have to reload again. Yeah, yeah. it's It was a very funny moment. And there was one where the guy was, like, right at his face. Like, right at his face. Shoots him. Then ricochets off his helmet and gets right back into his head. So he kills him with the ricochet. That was really funny. <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit more about masculinity in this film. Um, you might, you def, you def, probably definitely noticed in here. There are different types of masculinity in this film. And it's not a topic that's unfamiliar with the Predator films. Like they showed it in both Predator 1. Um, some of it in Predator 2. And I don't know about the sequels. But basically... I saw a fan theory like five years ago on Reddit. Yes, I use I use Reddit, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but basically, this guy said, the predator challenges the men's masculinity and kills the most toxic ones first. And I want to discuss how it's kind of loosely the same in the Prey movie. Because in Prey, there's different aspects of masculinity shown. So, Tabe has the most positive form of masculinity that I saw in the entire movie. He was very strong. He was a fighter. He was supportive of his his family and he was willing to hear other people's um, Interpretation of events like he was willing to take other people into consideration So he was the most positive aspect whereas there were these other guys who were in Tabe's group Who were not the best people around the leader of these men he was basically like kind of like the alpha male of the group. Everyone listened to what he said. So he was just as like strong as Tabe. But he was very toxic. For example, Naru goes out to hunt the predator because she sees it's a threat to the wildlife. A threat to them. And Tabe tells people to like go look for her because she's in danger. They don't want, He doesn't want her to get hurt. And they find her and she doesn't want to go. Like she's very stubborn. Like she doesn't want to go with them. And so they beat her up and tie her up but like during the process they beat her up and she's like fighting back she's a very vicious person she knows how to fight back they're like the first few men that get killed in the film and that's kind of like the theory that goes on with the redder theory is that the most toxic men get killed first and then later on the french fur traders who have been leaving like flayed bison all around the fields for the only for their fur, are then murdered, they're massacred. They try to get the jump on the predator. The predator just kills every single one of them. No one's for no one from that camp survives, except for the people who were smart enough to leave while the people were fighting. And the last man who gets killed, um, it's not last man, taking the last man who dies is one of the fur traders, the leader, but the guy before him is Tabe, he dies. Um, he was the most masculine, the most positive person, but he still died in that film. And yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm trying to be like a professor when it comes to interpretation of films, but I'm getting there. Did you you pick up on that when you were watching this movie?
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, (laughs) I think it's hard to not notice, um, especially when there were scenes where like, Nauru was talking with her mom, and her mom's like, why don't you, like, do you have to hunt? Like, why do you want to, like, prove yourself? Like, basically, like, stay home, you know, like, learn medicine and all that. And there is like, a really great scene where, like, the women were waking up in the early morning to, like, go do their work. And Nauru, like, got ready, too. She was going to go with them, but she ended up walking the opposite direction, which mm. I felt was a really great scene, Because she was basically like, you know, she was already going against the um, what was expected of her. Um, And especially when she first wanted to like join with the group of men. They were like, oh, we don't need someone who cooks. You know, it's like, (laughs) right. It's like stuff like that. I mean, it wasn't too in your face, I don't think. But it was Mm -hmm. it was there.
0: Yeah, I think it's much more obvious in this film because it is before it's a predator film. It's a film about a woman challenging gender norms within her community. And because she is a female lead in this movie, because she's a woman leading this film, it's much more obvious in this film. And people are going to have people have issues with it. Uh, unfortunately, it's really annoying. Um, they say it's too well. Just say you're sexist, dude. <laughs> like we're, it's it's getting like too obvious. Like j- just say you're racist, like just, just say it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's much more obvious in this film. I don't think it was as obvious in the first two Predator movies because it's it's traditionally a male-led film and it has Arnold Schwarzenegger leading that first film and he was the star mm-hmm. of the film. And the second one, I forgot his name. Danny Glover, I believe his name is. Um, he he was in Lethal Weapon. He was famous for the Lethal Weapon movies. And so he was leading that film as well. So I think it's something that some fans missed on. But they're able to pick up on it much more because it's a female-led film. So this is the part of the podcast where i talk more about the production of the movie. So the film began development during production of the previous Predator film that came out in 2018. And it was titled The Predator. Producer John Davis was approached by Dan Trachtenberg... For his own concept of what the next Predator film should be like. And that would eventually become Prey. Director Dan Trachtenberg of this film. He explained his goal for the film was to get back to the root of the franchise. And he said quote. The ingenuity of a human being who won't give up. Who's able to observe and interpret. Basically being able to be a stronger more powerful well-armed force. So yeah. He, he understood the assignment. He really understood the assignment. As far as casting goes, Amber Midfunder, she's been an actress for for most of her career. She kind of grew up acting. So when she was auditioning for this movie, she didn't even know she was auditioning for a predator film. She just saw like in the sheet that it was about a young, Comanche woman who wants to challenge gender norms and go out hunting for her challenge. And she loved that character. She was very drawn to what that character could mean. And it wasn't until after the audition, after like a couple. Of weeks later that she realized it was a for a predator film and she got the job it's it's just amazing the way they like hid it from her just to Mm -hmm. see if she could do the character and she i think she did a pretty good job and as far as um dakota beavers who played tabe this is his first film so he had tried to do like another film before um back in like 2019 and it got canceled because of covid but he thought it would have been like a small role anyway his information was still on file and when they were calling people for this film to audition, they emailed him based off like, the file from that previous project. And so he did a self-tape, then he did a Zoom audition, and then they flew him out to L.A. to do a screen testing with um, Amber Midfunder. And this whole time, he thought it was, like, going to be, like, a small role. But it wasn't until, like, he was in L.A. screen testing with Amber, he's like, huh, I don't think this is a small role. <laughs> So, he was just, like, um, before this, he was just, you know, a regular guy. He was working. He was doing music. um He was performing music on the side as well. So, for this to be his first film, that's pretty damn exciting. And he did some of the stunts himself as well. Like, there's this one stunt where they rig him. Where he jumps off a horse and, like, throws a spear at the predator. That's all him. Mm-hmm. The, he didn't mm. want to do a stunt double. And he kept hitting the tree every time, like, when he landed, Despite that, he still had fun doing it.
1: Yeah, I read that the cast members, they had to go through like a four-week boot camp to like that train themselves awesome. for yeah. the movie. Yeah, and I was like, damn, that's commitment.
0: That is sheer commitment. I read that too. Like, 4 that's a month. That's extreme yeah. bonding over a month. Amber Mythfunder, she said, we learned archery and spears and knives and a tomahawk. And that's also how they learned during those same four weeks. They were learning stunt choreography for the film. And so yeah. they did most of the films themselves up until, like... Like, there were some stunt doubles as well. But as much, they did as much as they could do because they wanted to do it. They were really eager to do it. Like with, yeah. you know, Dakota, he wanted the horse. And every moment when he wasn't, like, on screen or, like, not, not filming, he was practicing riding the horse because that was the first time he mm. rode a horse.
1: Oh, that's kind of cute. I also read that, like, the uh, original... Like, an early draft of the script actually didn't include horses but yeah um, yeah, but like in Comanche culture horses are used so they're like oh you gotta put that in for historical accuracy
0: yeah definitely uh I definitely didn't know that but it's something that um the Comanche tribe would have definitely noticed like hey where the fuck are the horses man like
1: (laughs) yeah exactly like a lot of the production stories I read a lot of the emphasis was like, oh, we got to make this like really historically accurate down to like even the color palettes that they use. Like they're like, oh, any like for like the wardrobe, any colors that they use, they wanted it to like come from the earth. Like they didn't want anything artificial. And it showed in like their um, in the cinematography, too, in the way that they did the landscapes and like the natural lighting.
0: So Jane Myers, who was the producer and also like the historic accuracy Um, woman she had like binders full of stuff that she would give to like people on set just to understand the tribe the the history and kind of like the art and i really like that they shot in calgary alberta canada it just looks so beautiful like yeah it looked like on how do i say this undisturbed by the white man and (laughs) (laughs) hopefully people don't get the wrong idea by seeing this movie like hey i should go there no don't go there just leave it as is you know
1: leave it alone yeah even when i was watching the movie and like they had the shots of like naru walking with her dog i was like damn that looks so nice like the cinematography was so great in this movie
0: it's amazing and actually speaking of cinematography so he used uh the cinematographer his name is jeff cutter and he filmed in the animal anamorphic format which is basically just like 35 millimeter film to better depict the vast locations so that's why it looks great because he's using like a wide angle to showcase like everything it was also like not as much like artificial lighting it was as much natural lighting as possible to not ruin the aesthetic to not ruin um yeah to bring out the the most naturalistic light from it as possible and yeah. so it and also, when, it, like, when you're
1: Oh, sorry. I was going to say it, it, it kind of worked in their favor too because I read that um, during Calgary summers, daylight lasts kind of like 14, 15 hours a day. Yeah. So they like had the time to like take advantage. And that like golden hour lasts like twice as long too.
0: Yeah, it, it's like usually an hour in. Um, yeah. or less depending where you are in the US. But like if it's two hours of like golden hour each time, Like, so that's kind of like four hours, like two hours in the morning to um, two hours in the evening. That's a lot of golden hour. Mm -hmm. I'd never heard of such a thing, but then again, I haven't explored the earth as much, and I keep forgetting like the sun hits different parts of the world differently. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I was saying with like the night sequences, they relied mostly on torches for like the soft, soft, low, underexposed amounts of bloom to replicate moonlight. And also, Jeff Cutter said that the most difficult scene to film was when the predator fights the french trapper if- expedition in the forest like the dead forest with the with the mm-hmm. the smoke because one it's it's like smoke machines right um yeah. but it's outside you can't control the weather at all so yeah. they had three smoke machines and so they'll, like, get ready for, like, to shoot. And then they have to, like, stop everything because there's no more smoke in the screen at all. There's no more smoke on the scene. And I- I'm just thinking, like, well, duh. <laughs> 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 like, I- I'm thinking, like, have you guys not done this before? But then they- they're doing their best to, like, bring out the most natural um, environment to use location. But that mm-hmm. must have been very stressful because not only the outside, but it's, like, a large open area that you're trying to film yeah. in. They shot it across eight days in a 250 250 square feet area, over 100 scenographic trees, and three smoke machines. And it's just, yeah, I I can only imagine the logistics of doing that. Like, I know back then for The Hidden Fortress, directed by Akira Kurosawa, he didn't use smoke machines. He waited until the wind will bring in the clouds to use that for, like, the moment. And Mm -hmm. that's even more... What's the right word? Ludicrous? <laughs> because you're waiting yeah, for the weather. Yeah, that is a little
1: ludicrous. <laughs> and then
0: <laughs> you're waiting for the weather and then you had to start filming. Like you can't just turn it on. Yeah. Like, you you had to like start filming and then have like the actors and the extras do their cue. And they're able to do it, but it must they must have waited a long, long time for that
1: that kind of reminds me of when we were talking about the before trilogy and they also use that technique of only using like certain parts of the day so that the movie um could seem like it's actually going out
0: on the day yeah yeah i love the before trilogy oh man i think (laughs) i think i I got a little too obsessed with that with that trilogy um (laughs) after watching it (laughs) for good reason for good reason, because it's a great trilogy, and I love it. Back to Prey. Did you see the the TikTok video of the the Predator costume?
1: No, I did not.
0: Okay, um, it's basically exactly how it looks on the film. They use practical effects on that one, and it was able to open its jaw like mechanically by itself. That's they pretty cool. They,
1: I I really like practical effects. <laughs> As opposed to CGI. I mean, there was CGI in the movie. Obviously, I feel like nowadays it's hard not to use CGI. But I feel like I could tell with the Predator. Like, I was like, oh, a lot of that kind of looks real.
0: Yeah, yeah. So they used a mix of both. So it was practical. Like, the costume was real. It was an actual person doing those stunts in that costume. The only stuff that was like CGI were like the stuff that was like up close. Like like the wounds of like the Predator, mm. like like the blood oozing out and him and the predator like healing himself. Or like when he's invisible. That's like the only parts yeah. where he's CGI. But other than that, that's like really cool. Like when you don't rely on one thing or the other too much, it's when you combine both of them. And after watching Nope, I don't <laughs> I don't blame movie studios for not using animals on set anymore i don't blame them anymore like i was opposed to it i was opposed to it in the first place but now i'm like yeah just cgi that animal in like i don't blame you guys um (laughs) for those of you who've seen nope you know what i mean for those of you who don't know watch nope and then get back to this yeah so we also need to talk about another star in the film Sari, Naru's dog companion in the film. She was a very cute dog that was adopted for this film. Adopted and trained for this film specifically. And initially, uh, the dog's name is Coco, by the way. Coco was supposed to be in fewer scenes, but they were just really surprised by like how well she received the training and how much energy she gave to the crew and like the scene. That they did put her in more in more scenes and including the action sequences as well. And I just thought that was really cool like they adopted her, you know, they yeah. found her and they're like we're going to train you, you're going to be a star.
1: <laughs> I know. It really <laughs> she really was a star of the movie. Like whenever I see an animal in a movie, I'm like, ah, uh, I hope they don't die. And thankfully Sorry, didn't. So I was like, okay, it was either the yep. brother or the dog. And I was like, it can't be the dog. I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: uh, Sorry, Tabe.
1: <laughs> I know.
0: <laughs> so there is a lost scene in this film. Um, when I say lost, I mean, the idea was brought forward by the director, but unfortunately they couldn't get to it for whatever reason. So Dan was disappointed that they couldn't do a treetop chase scene. So I'm thinking like Naruto, you know, like chasing Mm -hmm. through these trees. And he said, Dan Trachtenberg said, I was, for whatever reason, really obsessed with having the fights be more vertical and seeing the predator leaping through trees. So with the well-received reception of this film, hopefully he'll be able to direct another movie and he'll be able to have predator treetops chase scene in the future so here's to hoping for that
1: that would have been cool to see but i also can't imagine how that would play out considering that like how how can you fight in a tree i feel like that's like you're gonna die
0: <laughs> they showed a little bit of it um
1: yeah they showed a little bit when naru was fighting like the lion but yeah. that was like a lion not the <laughs> the predator <laughs>
0: I'm thinking, like, they could probably take inspiration for, like, Last Airbender when they first meet Jet and he's able to, like, fight on oh, the
1: trees. I guess so. But that's, like, the Last Airbender, they all had powers and, like, could, like, leap that far. I don't think a normal human powers. being... Okay, but a normal person can't leap like that.
0: <laughs> but a predator can.
1: Yeah, but... <laughs> I guess it I guess if like the people who were fighting the predator were like the guys cuz they would have died anyways but I don't think Naru would have been fit to like fight in the trees I think.
0: Yeah. I see what you mean. Um Yeah. She did a little bit of parkour with like she'll like have one leg like and use like a tree to like jump off of to like go to mm-hmm. another direction. You see that yeah. when she's like hunting some of the animals? So she was able to like get around a little bit, but that probably would have been difficult to explain if she could. She was suddenly Tarzan.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. <laughs>
0: <laughs> George of the Jungle, you know.
1: <laughs> I know, and then like, okay, when there was like the scene where like she got stuck in the mud, and mm. I was like, when that happened, I was like, oh, this is gonna come back later on. I was like, yeah. they're not showing this scene for nothing. And then when the predator fell in the mud. I was like, oh, I'm so smart. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I wrote the movie.
0: <laughs> it's it's called a Chekhov's gun, I believe, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, when you, discussing the mud. So that was the scene that challenged Amber the most. Because she didn't know how disgusting it was going to be. Because they told mm-hmm. her. Uh oh it's just like kind of like water with leaves in it and she's like okay I can like deal off that. It wasn't until she did it um that she was told like oh we didn't know about the smell because apparently there's a smell when the mud touched human flesh. Really? Uh, yeah. For some reason that specific mud like didn't smell weird until human flesh touched it. So that is disgusting.
1: Oh, man. I wonder what it smelled like then.
0: I, it, it must have been horrible. I, it must have <laughs> been horrible. <laughs> as far as the reception of this film, I still was well-received. So according to tw- 20th Century Studios, Prey was the most watched premiere across all films and TV series on Hulu in the United States, as well as the most watched film premiere on Star in international markets and on Star Plus in Latin America. So pretty well-received. Pretty well received. Yeah. And David Fear of Rolling Stone referred to the film as a quote long-awaited masterpiece and a series highlight and compared Myth Thunder's character favorably to Ellen Ripley of the Alien Films. Which, by the way, I recommend you watch those films too. I watched it for this podcast, and I'm gonna recommend it to you. <laughs> and two stars from the original Predator film commented positively jesse ventura praised amber mid thunder and the director saying thank you for making such a thoughtful creative and wonderful film and bill duke was also enthusiastic about the film saying on twitter it's an amazing film and amber mid thunder is phenomenal
1: i feel like it's kind of a shame that the movie didn't get released in theaters because this is definitely something to watch in theater yeah even though i was watching it i was like huh i feel like this looks this would be better on the big screen than just like watching it on my tv
0: I watched it on my computer. I was gonna watch it on my phone, but then I was like, "No,
1: uh,
0: why would I do yeah, that?" No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm a filmmaker. I would never want, want. I would never want to want someone to watch my film on a phone unless it was for YouTube. What the fuck, yeah. Jason? Like, I was saying that to myself. I'm like, what the fuck? At least watch it on your computer. <laughs> but yeah, this is so. It's really disappointing. It wasn't on theaters. I definitely agree with you on that one.
1: Okay, well, that concludes our conversation for today. So, Jason, was Prey a hit or a miss?
0: Uh, It was definitely a miss for me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it was a hit. <laughs> it was a huge hit for me. I'm very glad I got to see it. And I'm glad I didn't wait too much time before seeing it as well. Usually, whenever a movie is really popular, I kind of wait until the hype dies down to see if it is worth it. And this one, I'm... I'm glad I. am glad I got to see it. I'm glad it was made, and I'm very happy about it. So, thank you, Sophia, so much for being on this podcast again. Really appreciate you. So, um, I'm going to ask, where can we find you on social media? It's my favorite question for you.
1: Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, <laughs> so my username for basically everything is eat my at fanny with a ph and three n's <laughs> I-E.
0: I mean is it with a y or i e oh i e okay can you say it one more time just for people who are in the back who didn't hear you what's the username again
1: <laughs> eat my fanny
0: <laughs> i just love it <laughs> every time i can do that every time <laughs> Um, i
1: know um the youtuber rebecca rose she mentioned my username once on a live that she did and she was like oh my god it's so weird to say out loud <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah um actually rebecca rose might be on this season too so a little sneak peek for you guys that's it for today folks you've been listening to Hitless list podcast on video this was the season five premiere my name is jason and until next time cross off a new film from your list Bye.